You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Welcome to Dolphins Talk Weekly, your one-stop audio breakdown of all of this week's Miami Dolphins news. Now, here is your host, Kevin Dern. Good morning, Dolphins, and welcome to episode number 14 of Dolphins Talk Weekly. I am your host, Kevin Dern. Please give me a follow on Twitter at KevinMD4. Now, this week's show is going to obviously cover the NFL draft. We are just five days away from night one of the draft in my home state of Ohio. Unfortunately, not in my home city of Cincinnati. The draft is up in Cleveland. But it's still pretty cool that it's here in these in this mecca of football that is Ohio. Not where the game started. That belongs to Latrobe, Pennsylvania. But the NFL started in Canton, Ohio. So it's a pretty cool thing to see the draft come to my home state. And this week's show, we're going to kind of make it a charcuterie board of a lot of different topics related to the draft. I'm going to give my thoughts on the recent signing of DJ Fluker. I'm going to talk about the most recent article I've put up on DolphinsTalk.com. That's a review about the Dolphins' free agents they signed on offense. I'll go through what I like to call the My Guys team of NFL draft prospects. My top five overall edge rushers. We've had several people ask me about that. Details on how I'm going to be covering the mock draft. And then I've had a couple people ask me, Kevin, what is your spread? What are you eating? What are you drinking during the draft? And I'll go over that as well. Again, please give the podcast a follow. You can follow me on Twitter at KevinMD4. You can follow the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm very excited to be doing this, and we'll have a lot of coverage from the Dolphins Talk team all throughout draft week. Now, before we get into the meat of the show, just a quick word from one of our sponsors, Guys, it's mowing season out there. If you want your yard to look great, you've got to mow it regularly. You've got to weed eat, and you've got to do everything to keep it looking nice. Do the same for yourself and head on over to manscaped.com and use the promo code DOLPHINSTALK, and you can get 20% off of your order with free shipping. That's manscaped.com, and get 20% off using the promo code DOLPHINSTALK along with free shipping. So check them out. As we talked about before, let's dive right into the show. Not really much Dolphins-related news this week, unless you're going to dive deep into the rumor mills, which at this time of the year are just filled with everything. So Miami did sign veteran offensive lineman DJ Fluker this past week. They signed him to a one-year deal worth a shade under $1.1 million. I think the exact total was $1.075 million. And I think the dead cap, if they were to cut him you know, before the season or something, is right around 800 some thousand. So it's not even a million dollars in dead cap. That's a pretty friendly one-year deal for a veteran lineman with some position versatility. Now, two years ago, DJ Fluker played right guard for the Seattle Seahawks. Last year, he played right tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, in my most recent article, I went through every offensive free agent the Dolphins signed and kind of detailed a little bit about how they fit into this system, how they're going to be a part of the team this year. 
And DJ Fluker is covered in that article along with Matt Skura, who was his teammate in Baltimore last year. So you can read that now. It's live on DolphinsTalk.com. Please like it, retweet it, get everyone to read it. I, I had a ton of great feedback about my defensive article. I'd love to hear the feedback from the offensive article as well. I know it's the week of the draft, so that's kind of the, the topic du jour, but hopefully everyone gets a chance to read this. I would love to hear feedback from all of you out there. Now, I watched several games of DJ Fluker, both with Seattle and with the Ravens last year. And, you know, a couple things still hold true from when he was drafted in the first round by the Chargers back in, I believe that was 2013. He's big. He's 6'5", 342 pounds, and he has 36 and three-quarter inch arms. I mean, these things are vines, okay? He's a very strong guy at the point of attack. That's apparent. He can move people in the run game. A couple of the clips I showed were a game of his uh, from Seattle in 2019 when they played Philadelphia. He had to line up against Fletcher Cox, all-pro defensive tackle, and he moves him out of the way pretty easily. There's also a pass block rep against Fletcher Cox one-on-one where Fletcher Cox basically gets two steps upfield and then gets stopped in his tracks because he runs into DJ Fluker. This is a big, strong dude here, and I think he would be a fit at either right tackle or right guard. Now, his weakness is you know, lateral movement, foot quickness, you know, Cam Wake doesn't exist in the NFL right now, but rushers like that who have that ability to use their hands on top of the ability to be quick off the ball and bend that arc are going to give DJ Fluker trouble. Now, where do I see him fitting in? Hard to say right now because, number one, I don't think Miami really has any intention of moving away from Robert Hunt at right tackle. I know a lot of people want to see him kicked inside to guard, but I don't think that's how the Dolphins necessarily feel. You know, and fans out there preach development of Tua all the time, yet we don't really hear people talk about the development of Robert Hunt at right tackle. He was pretty good last year, all things considered, jumping from the Sunbelt Conference to the NFL, kind of having to wait his time before he got a chance to start, and then kind of getting thrown into that fire without the advantage of having some preseason reps or anything like that. All things considered, you know, I thought he was pretty good. Obviously, he can build on that. You could kick him into right guard if you want, and I suppose in some way, shape, or form, that does depend on what happens in the draft. You know, if you come out of there with a Tevin Jenkins, for example, you're probably going to want to put him at right tackle and then move Hunt elsewhere. DJ Fluker's only on a one-year deal, so you're not really beholden to him becoming a starter. But I do wonder if DJ Fluker comes into camp and he's in shape, and he's moving people the way he did with Seattle and Baltimore, if he doesn't end up winning that right guard job, which allows Miami to move Solomon Kinley over to left guard, where I thought he pretty looked pretty good in a couple games there last year. We also know that after Kinley was drafted a year ago, Barry Jackson kind of reported that Miami saw him as a long-term left guard anyway. So maybe DJ Fluker's signing, or whoever they may draft, could be a catalyst for putting Fluker at right guard and moving Kinley. Now, there's going to be a bunch of machinations of how this is going to work because you really don't want to have Eric Flowers making $10 million this year to be a backup. That's just not good football economics, but it may be the case. So a lot of things are still up in the air in terms of how this offensive line is going to look between now and September, th- or, yeah, September 13th when week one hits. 
We just don't know what's going to happen. But I think DJ Fluker gives them a very good, capable veteran player who could start at right guard or right tackle if you need him to, and at the very least could serve as pretty good depth. You know, In short, it's going to make it harder for guys like Michael Dieter and Adam Pankey to win roster spots, which is probably a good thing given that you know injuries happen in the NFL and you want to have capable backups to be able to compete and continue winning football games. So I like what Miami's done, not only here on the offensive line, but with several of these free agents, and you can read more about that in my article live on DolphinsTalk.com now, how they're improving their depth this year. You know, I think they have a good nucleus of core starting players, and now the depth is getting improved with signings like DJ Fluker, Justin Coleman, Seathan Carter, just to name a few. Now, blocking those guys, whether it's Hunt, DJ Fluker, Austin Jackson, whoever the Dolphins' starting offensive line is going to be, there's a chance that they may face one of these rookie edge players. Now, I kind of put some feelers out there for questions for this podcast and and got some pretty wide variety of answers on on what people would want to hear. And I had several people ask me, you know, Kevin, you talked about the top 10 defensive ends and your top 10 edge linebackers in last week's podcast. Who are your five top overall edge players? So I thought, okay, now they're kind of kind of put, you know, put my feet to the fire and, and kind of pressure me into answering this question once and for all. So here are my top five. We're going to go five up to number one. And you've probably heard every single one of these names before if you listened to the podcast last week. But this is how I rank them. At number five, this is a bit of a projection here, but Texas outside linebacker Joseph Osai. And again, I'm doing this through the lens of how they fit the Dolphins. Just keep that in mind. Number four would be Wake Forest defensive end Carlos Basham. Now, Osai is intriguing to me because, as we talked about last week, He's got experience playing off-ball linebacker. So if there's anyone that's actually done the requisite skill set of the Dante Hightower role, this is your guy. Now, he's still not a finished product on the edge. There's some things to develop there, but he's got great size, great length, good athletic ability, and you can use him in a variety of different roles. So that's why he's appealing. Carlos Basham, bigger, stronger defensive end, has experience playing some three technique for the Demon Deacons. So you can reduce him down inside if you need to, especially in passing situations. He's got a very good motor. What I think you would like to see a little bit more of is is a better pass rush plan, some more counter moves with his hands to be able to disengage and free himself. But he's a relentless player. He's got a nice burst off the snap for as big as he is. And you know, I think he could fit in well with where they had Shaq Lawson playing last year. This is where Carlos Basham could fit. Joseph Osai is probably more that Kyle Van Noy role. Number three, and he falls to number three, even though I think he might be the best all-around player right now coming out of the draft, I think he's a little bit more limited with how he fits with the Dolphins' defense, and that would be Jalen Phillips from the University of Miami. I think Jalen Phillips is strictly a defensive end in a four-man line. I don't think he's got the athleticism to drop into coverage and do some of the things that Van Noy did. Maybe you try and stand him up the way that they did with Andrew Van Ginkle last year, but that's really not something he's shown you know, a ton of. But what he does do really well is he uses his hands. He plays with leverage for as long as he is. 
He's got a great pass rush plan. He's a pretty good run defender, and he's got good size. To me, you stick him where Shaq Lawson was, much like Basham. But instead of being able to reduce him on third down, you're probably keeping him as a wide rusher. Now, I'm not making a player comp here, but if you want to see how I think he should be used, watch some 2018 Patriots film, find Adrian Claiborne. That is how I think you would see Jalen Phillips being used. The caveat there is I think that Jalen Phillips coming out is probably a better pass rusher in terms of using his hands and having counter moves than Adrian Claiborne was at that time. But that is the role I would picture for Jalen Phillips if he became a Dolphin. Number two, and this is probably the best pure pass rusher in the draft, in my opinion, is Georgia outside linebacker Aziz Ojolari. I think if Miami drafts him, you're a little bit pigeonholed. You're going to have to play him how you played Andrew Van Ginkle a year ago, which probably means that you've got to move Andrew Van Ginkle to that Kyle Van Noy role. You know, that's a bit of a transition for Van Ginkle. And that's something you're going to have to kind of bear in mind when you give him that role because there is some off-ball duty. There's some more edge-setting duty on the strong side. Van Ginkle was mostly a weak side player. So that's something you have to watch for. Ojolari, 6'2", 250, but he's got good arm length. He's strong. Everyone on Twitter has seen that clip of him basically stonewalling Alabama's Deontay Brown on, on a pole. He's got a very good cross-chop move that he's sort of perfected at the collegiate level. I think there's a good base for him to, you know, for a defensive line coach to work with in terms of his hand use and developing more rush moves. But I don't think you need to drop him into coverage or or try him in any kind of off-ball capacity. Just leave him as that edge linebacker. And then number one for me, you probably guessed it, is Michigan defensive end Quiddy Pay. To me, right now, he is the best run defender of this entire group. I think he's got some versatility to him because Michigan moved him all over the place. I think that's partially what contributes to him not being as polished a pass rusher as he could be coming out of Michigan. But he's been able to reduce. He can play some four techniques, some four eyes, some three. So you've got the basis to use him there. I think in terms of his pass rush game, you know, He's not super long, but he is very powerful. He's very strong. He's got a good get-off. It works in the Big Ten where you just kind of bull rush people and run towards the quarterback and hope for the best. That doesn't fly in the NFL. You've got to teach him how to rip better. You've got to teach him how to use a cross chop. You've got to teach him an inside move with speed to power. You have to work on all these things, but certainly the athleticism, the framework, the strength is all there to be able to build that. On top of that, I think you could use him sort of like how the the Patriots used to use Trey Flowers. You can line him up over a guard and still be able to play a nickel. You can line him up over the center on third downs and give him one-on-one rush opportunities. You can line him up in a five technique, a six technique, a wide five, and a nine and give him rush opportunities, and he's always going to be a good run defender for you. So that is why he is my number one. If you wanted the guy that was the next closest to being on the list, I was going to give you Cameron Sample from Tulane, but I I like the potential of Joseph Osai just a little bit more. Now, those were my top five edge rushers. You know, from five to one, again, Joseph Osai from Texas, Carlos Basham from Wake Forest, Jalen Phillips from Miami, Aziz Ojolari from Georgia, and Quiddy Pay from Michigan. 
Those are my top five edge rushers. Now, someone did ask me, and I think this is a fun exercise. I've seen our own Dante Colinelli do it here uh, on Dolphins Talk and on his podcast with Blue Chip Scouting. I've seen other draft guys do this, and this is their list of my guys or their favorite players or their team guys that they would want to draft. So this is just an exercise. I picked two players at each position that I think have a realistic chance of being drafted by the Dolphins at some point. So, for example, at quarterback, my favorite one in the draft is Trevor Lawrence. He's not going to be on this list because he's going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. Okay, It's very unlikely Miami's going to draft a quarterback in the first or second round, so you're not going to see any of those other names that have been bandied about as being in that top five or top six group. So, without further ado, we're just going to read down the depth chart, offense first, then defense. Two guys at each position that are my guys and why I would like to have them on the Dolphins. So, at quarterback, Kellen Mond from Texas A&M and Sam Ellinger from Texas. Now, with Kellen Mond, he's big, he's got a big arm, he's a pretty good athlete. I think there's some developmental traits there. I think... If you want a long-term vision for him, he could be your backup quarterback of the future who's capable of coming in and starting and winning a few games if, you know, Tua Tungavailoa gets hurt or, you know, whatever the case is. Where I think you've got to work with Kellen Mond is making better decisions. You know, it seemed like any time I watched a Texas A&M game, there was always a very untimely turnover or a very bad read and an interception being thrown. You've got to cut down on those mental mistakes if you're Kellen Mond, and that would be a challenge the Dolphins coaches would have to work with. Sam Ellinger from the University of Texas obviously has a connection to Jordan Salkin, who has been added to the Dolphins staff as a quality control guy. Now, Sam Ellinger, I believe, started in the Senior Bowl, and he's got experience with the Dolphins coaching staff from that. He's a bigger kid. He's a good runner. He's got a strong arm, but he's not really known as a passer. So to me, he's the perfect developmental candidate for this year because you still have Jacoby Reset to be your number two. You're probably not going to have to pick Sam Ellinger early. Maybe he lasts until the late seventh round. Maybe he's an undrafted free agent that you can bring in. But it gives you a chance to develop a, a good athlete and try and build in some more quarterback traits to him. So those are my two quarterbacks. The running backs, you're going to recognize both of these names, I guarantee it. Number one would be Javante Williams from North Carolina. To me, I think he's right there with Najee Harris as the best back in the draft. I love the way he pass protects. He's a very powerful downhill runner. He's flashed some good hands in the passing game. He's got a little bit of a burst in terms of hitting big plays. If you listen to my good buddy Travis Wingfield on the Drive Time podcast, He had Doug Farrar from USA Today on, and Doug Farrar talked about the number of big plays that Javante Williams ripped off for the Tar Heels this past season. So I would love to see him if they're not going to take Najee Harris. The other back I would love to see with the Dolphins would be Travis Etienne out of Clemson. Now he's more of a slasher, zone runner, good hands, screen type of receiving back. He's been used as a kick returner by Clemson. Really good athlete. Really fast breakaway speed. Kind of that home run threat that Miami doesn't have. The problem you have there is he's pretty similar in terms of stature to both Miles Gaskin and Savon Ahmed. 
you know, really that leaves you with Malcolm Brown as being your one big back type of guy. So I don't know if that's something the Dolphins would be comfortable with, but if you're going to try and, and have Tua Tungavailoa throwing it 35 plus times a game, I think Travis Etienne might be a better option there for you than either Harris or Williams. But either way, I would love to see any of the big three on the Dolphins, but Williams and Etienne kind of stand out as more intriguing to me for those reasons than Najee Harris, who's kind of really good at everything, but he's not really got that one dynamic trait in any one area that that kind of puts him over the top any further than Javante Williams, in my opinion. At wide receiver, and if you had to put a gun to my head right now and get my choice for the Dolphins' first first round pick, so at pick six or wherever it may end up being if they trade down, that would be Alabama receiver Devontae Smith, the Slim Reaper. I am on team Slim Reaper. I think he's the best wide receiver in this draft class. He's a tremendous route runner. He's got tremendous hands. He can high point the ball. He can get you yards after the catch on screens downfield. The only real knock he has is he weighs 166 pounds. If he weighed 196, I don't think there'd be any doubt that he would be the top receiver off the board. He's a terrific route runner, which I think makes up for some of that lack of physicality. Can't go wrong with Devontae Smith, in my opinion. Number two would be Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan. He's a guy that you can use in the slot. You can use him outside a little bit. He's got nice game-changing speed. Pretty much one thing that the Dolphins lacked last year was the ability to get yards after catch. I think both Smith and Eskridge can give you that in quantities that they don't already have on the roster. At tight end, the obvious one, and this might be my top choice for the Dolphins pick if he's there at six ahead of Devontae Smith, that would be Florida tight end Kyle Pitts. Is he the best player at any position in the draft? I, I don't think that's an unfair question to ask. He very well could be. You can use him as a tight end online. You can use him as an H-back alignment. You can use him as a, a move tight end out in the slot. You can line him up out wide and run receiver routes with him. He can do it all. He's got great speed. He's got great hands. You know, what more do you really want this guy to do? You know, I, I wouldn't have a single problem about using pick number six on a tight end if it's Kyle Pitts. The other tight end I could see Miami taking a liking to maybe in terms of a seventh round pick or as an undrafted guy would be Luke Farrell out of Ohio State. Now, you know, Durham Smythe is in the last year of his contract. He's mostly been a blocking tight end. Although Smythe has pretty good hands when they've thrown him the ball. Luke Farrell's kind of the same deal. Bigger guy, not a fast mover. You're certainly not going to confuse him for Kyle Pitts or Mike Isicki or even Seathan Carter. But he's a big dude who has soft hands. You can use him primarily as a blocker. It needs a little bit of development, but I think he can come in with a better baseline than Chris Myrick did, who was on the practice squad and elevated last year for a couple games. Offensive tackles, I already mentioned a couple of these guys, or offensive linemen, mentioned a couple. Tevin Jenkins, a tackle from Oklahoma State. Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa. At guard or center, as I think both of these two guys I'm about to mention could play either spot. Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater. Robert Hainsey from Notre Dame. Both of them got work on the Dolphins Senior Bowl roster as centers and as guards. 
Hainsey was a tackle at Notre Dame. Both of these guys, very impressive guys, especially Quinn Miner, 6'3", 320. Big dude, very athletic. You can look at all of his crazy workout videos and, and stuff that he does on YouTube. Either one of those guys I would love to have them as part of the line. And then I, to- I chose two true centers, Creed Humphrey and Landon Dickerson. You know, It doesn't really get much more obvious at the, at the true center position this year. I also do like Josh Myers out of Ohio State, but I don't know that he would necessarily be a great fit for the Dolphins. Now, my defensive my guys. This one was a little harder for me to put together. And we're doing this again through the lens of the Dolphins. So I added a couple positions here just to be able to squeak some guys in. If you're looking for true defensive ends, I went with Pay and I went with Cameron Sample. I went with Cameron Sample because I just really wanted to have him on the list. I think Carlos Basham is better right now. I just love watching Cameron Sample play. Tulane came up and played Ohio State a couple years ago, and this kid was all over the field. He can play defensive end. He can, excuse me. He can play defensive end. He can play defensive tackle. He's got long arms that he used several times in that game to get pass deflections. He's got a great motor. He's got change of direction skills. He just doesn't have those elite athletic traits that you would want to see from a defensive end. He's not a Chase Young. He's not a Miles Garrett. He's just a fun football player to watch. And, you know, as is Carlos Basham, but I wanted to include Cameron Sample. So, Quiddy Pay, Cameron Sample, my defensive ends. My edge linebackers, we already know one, Aziz Ojolari. I went with Baron Browning over Joseph Osai here because I wanted to include Baron Browning on one of these lists as well. I think the advantage that Baron Baron Browning has is that he's played more off-ball linebacker than Joseph Osai, and I think you could use him a little bit differently than Osai. I think Osai is pretty much a straight edge rush guy when you use him there. I think Baron Browning could do more of that Kyle Van Noy role and do some of the things in coverage, which he's shown on tape in college. So Azizo Jolari and Baron Browning there. My two defensive tackles, if you listen to the podcast, both of these guys were on the list last week. Aleem McNeil from North Carolina State would be more of your traditional-looking nose tackle, one-technique type player. And then Levi Anwuzarike from Washington. He's an undersized three-technique for the Huskies, but he's got great hands. He's got good pop. He's got quickness off the ball. I think you could potentially use him as that big end sort of how Miami used Zach Sealer last year in several games in the Dolphins' defense. Just a fun player to watch and you know, really someone I think of that Brian Flores and Josh Boyer could use in a lot of different ways in their defense. At off-ball linebacker, Zaven Collins from Tulsa and Nick Bolton from Missouri. Now, again, I'm viewing off-ball linebacker as sort of an inside linebacker or middle linebacker if you're playing a 4-3. I think Zaven Collins is a fantastic football player. He just doesn't have those skills to be an edge linebacker in Miami's defense right now. You know, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Miami drafted him at 18 or 36 or somewhere in between there because they were confident they could teach him to do some of those things on the edge. I just haven't seen it from his tape at Tulsa. He reminds me a ton of Seattle's K.J. Wright. 
He's very good in coverage. He's a big dude at 6'4", 250 plus. He can scrape and flow and be a presence in the run game. He can blitz through the gaps in the middle. There's just not much that I see that I like on the edge in terms of him coming forward. Now, in terms of him dropping into coverage, matching up on tight ends or running backs, all that is great. But I just question the the fit with the Dolphins a little bit because you just traded for Bernardrick McKinney, you brought back Elaine Roberts, and you still have Jerome Baker. So if you're going to take Lane, if you're going to take Zayvon Collins, not Landon Collins, I don't know why I got stuck on that. If you're going to take Zayvon Collins, I think there's another domino that has to fall at the linebacker room to make sure you accommodate those guys and get them to fit. The other off-ball linebacker I really like is Nick Bolton from Missouri. Now, I think he probably makes even less sense because they signed, re-signed Elandon Roberts. He's just a fun player to watch. B-gap to B-gap hitter. Love it. He's got some ability to get outside and get on the edges. Don't think he's as good as Collins or even Micah Parsons, but still a fun player. Cornerbacks. Cam Bynum from California. Obviously, we have a connection with Gerald Alexander. The Dolphins' safeties coach was the defensive backs coach at Cal. He's got size. He's got length. I don't think Miami's necessarily going to draft a corner very high. So this is a guy that you could get in the mid to late rounds and develop him and bring him along as more depth. And then my other guy, another Washington Husky, was Elijah Molden. I think if you're really looking to improve your slot corner play from where Nick Needham was last year and you want to bring in competition which they've already done in the form of Justin Coleman. It's also been rumored that they might give Noah Igbenogany reps there. But if you wanted to draft a straight slot corner who's going to be good from day one, Elijah Molden is my pick, and I think he fits this defense really well. At safety, DeMar Hamlin from Pittsburgh. Now, this is a guy that Brian Flores singled out after one of the senior bowl practices on ESPN. So kudos to you, DeMar Hamlin, for earning that. I think he's a very good coverage safety. I think you could groom him to replace Bobby McCain in a year or two, and he'd be a nice fit there and can play on special teams. You might even be able to use him as a split safety when you go DB heavy packages. You might even have some opportunity to play him in the slot if you really wanted to. Versatile player. And then my other safety, and you guys are going to know this one right off the bat, is Tyree Gillespie from Missouri. Maybe one of my favorite defenders, maybe my favorite defender, in the entire draft this year. I think he's sort of a Swiss Army Knife player. You could pl- you could replace Eric Rowe with him if you wanted to. He can play in the box. He can play in the slot. He held Kyle Pitts to one catch for nine yards and man coverage when Missouri played Florida. I would tell you go put on his tape against Alabama from 2020. He is everywhere. He chases down Jalen Waddell on an end around. He stops Najee Harris twice on the goal line in goal-to-go situations. Guy can do it all. He just doesn't have those freakish athletic skills to be mentioned up there with guys like Derwin James or Landon Collins, which is where I was going the last segment and tripped up on Zaven Collins, or Minka Fitzpatrick. He just doesn't have those elite skills. But I think he could go and and play in Miami's defense and become a really, really nice football player. So that finishes off the the My Guys team. Now, we have a couple more quick segments of the podcast tonight. I went ahead and did a Miami Dolphins-only mock draft. So this is how I see the draft playing out using one of the simulators. I used the Draft Network simulator 
and did not give myself the option to do any trades. So I just wanted to run you through the mock draft. We'll talk about my draft plans and how we're going to cover it, and then talk you through some fun stuff about the draft. So this is my Dolphins-only mock draft. So at pick 1-6, here's how the board played out. Quarterbacks went 1-2-3. and three. Kyle Pitts went 4 to Atlanta, and Jamar Chase went 5 to Cincinnati. So, again, without a trade, I'm basically staring at Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, or Panay Sewell in my estimation. And I went with Devontae Smith. I think he gives Tua an immediate weapon to use on offense. He's a dynamic route runner. We talked about all those things earlier. I think he improves the receiving core from day one. Devontae Parker, Devontae Smith, Will Fuller, that's a really, really nice trio on top of having guys like Lynn Bowden, Preston Williams, possibly Jakeem Grant, could really make the receiving core go over the top for Tua Tungavailoa. At pick 118, I was kind of hoping that Micah Parsons would slide and I would have an opportunity there, but he was already off the board. I basically had a choice between Pay and Jalen Phillips. And as I talked about, I think Pay's the best run defender right now. So you're going to get that ability from him. And I think you can work with him and use him in different variety of roles than you, more variety of roles than you can with Jalen Phillips. So at pick 118, I went with Quiddy Pay. Now, my luck turned for the worse at this point because all three of the big running backs went off the board before I could pick at 36. So I didn't want to reach at that point. So I ended up taking Baron Browning, the linebacker from Ohio State, basically as a direct replacement for Kyle Van Noy. So my hope here is that if you you take Pay and kind of plug him in for Shaq Lawson and you take Browning and plug him in for Kyle Van Noy, you're going to have the opportunity to keep that defense as good or better than it was last year, provided those guys develop and provided everyone else on the defense from last year continues to develop. But I just felt like at this point, Browning's value was too great to pass up, and it was a good shot at trying to move the defense towards elite status. At pick 250, there really wasn't a running back worth taking there based on the Draft Network simulator rankings. So I went ahead and took Quinn Miners, the center guard from Wisconsin Whitewater. I thought that represented the best value there because Creed Humphrey and Landon Dickerson were both off the board. It was basically between Quinn Miners and Josh Myers of Ohio State. I went with Quinn Miners. Obviously, the Dolphins are familiar with him from the Senior Bowl. I don't know that he's a starter from day one. I don't know that he has to be a starter from day one. But I think he's going to be a really good player in the league with some more development. At pick 81 in the third round, I kind of knew because of the no-trade deal... I had to take a running back here or else I was going to sink all the way to the fifth round before I got a chance to take one. So I took Kylan Hill, the running back from Mississippi State. I took him ahead of Kenneth Gainwell and Trey Sermon because to me, Kylan Hill is sort of the next best power back after Najee Harris and Javante Williams. And I say this as an Ohio State fan. There really isn't a whole lot Trey Sermon did other than that Northwestern game in the Big Ten Championship where he ran off. There just isn't. It was mostly Master Teague this year running the football, and you'll see that again next year for Ohio State. So I went with Kylan Hill 
He was 5'10", 215-pound guy, great leg drive. He runs hard. He breaks tackles. He's played in the SEC and been through those battles. You know, really, really high-character kid that you know that Brian Flores is going to really like. So I went with Kylan Hill at 381. Now, there's a big gap there from pick 381 overall to pick 156 when the Dolphins pick again in the fifth round. I was hoping hoping against all hope that Tyree Gillespie would make it there, but he was already off the board. DeMar Hamlin from Pittsburgh is my pick there. I think he represents great value because you can play him as a free safety. You can play him on special teams. You can play him as a split safety. He's going to help you add more depth to your defense and eventually become a starter. Then the Dolphins don't have a sixth rounder. They've got two seventh round picks at 231. I lucked out and got Demetric Felton, the receiver slash running back from UCLA. I picked him because of his ability to be used in RPOs. You can use him in the backfield as a running back. You can use him out wide. You can use him as a slot option on screens, on vertical routes. You could probably use him as a kick returner. And to me, that's direct competition for Jakeem Grant. If you get cheaper there and still have that elite speed element, I think that's a good thing. Finally, with pick 258 in the seventh round, I took Sam Ellinger just because the board was kind of picked clean at that point. And Miami has that connection to him with a quality control coach, Jordan Salkin. In my opinion, it gives Miami a chance to develop a backup quarterback because you've only got Jacoby Brissett for one year at this point. So again, my mock draft, pick 1-6 was Devontae Smith. Pick 118 was Quiddy Pay. 236 was Baron Browning, 250 was Quinn Miners, 381 was Kylan Hill, 5156 was DeMar Hamlin, 7231 was Demetric Felton, and 7258 was Sam Ellinger. Now, obviously that's just my take on the draft, and I don't think that scenario is going to play out at all. You know, maybe one or two of those guys ends up a Miami Dolphin when all said and done a week from now as I record this. But as far as draft plans, I do have some big news. You may have seen it already on Twitter, but Dolphins Talks, Reason, YouTube sensation, host of Inside the NFL, is going to be doing a live stream on YouTube with his co-host Kevin Taylor, former Miami Dolphin left tackle and legend Richmond Webb will be on the, the show with us as will Ryan Roberts from Coast to Coast Scouting and Jeremy Klump of the Fin Fanatic and Hail Florida Hail. I believe he also has a podcast called the Man-to-Man or Man-to-Man Coverage Podcast. Sorry, Jeremy, if I, if I got that wrong. But either way, all of us are going to be there through night one of the NFL draft. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to being a part of this show. I've been on Finside the NFL a couple times now with Reason, whose name is Jordan. And Jordan really knows his stuff. He puts together great clips on his live streams. He's put together player rankings. I would recommend you go check out his top 10 lists of all the positions. He's released those on YouTube over the past uh, month, month and a half, two months. He does a lot of work, and he does a lot of really, really good work. So check him out and check us out on Thursday night during the draft I don't know a start time yet, but I think it might be around 7.30. So it kind of gives you, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes until 
the Jaguars make Trevor Lawrence their quarterback. So it should be a real fun night. Looking forward to seeing you guys there. Again, please feel free to hit me up with any questions at KevinMD4. Now, before we go, one more fun segment. A couple people asked me, you know, Kevin, what is your spread like during the NFL draft? Well, with night one being on the live stream, I might have an adult beverage, but that's probably going to be it. I'm not going to eat on air. I'll probably eat something light before the draft starts. Night two, we'll probably do some pizza. My wife is a nurse. She works on Friday, so she gets home a little late. It's easy. It's convenient. And it's pizza. You can't go wrong with pizza. And, you know, probably do some pretzels or chips, something like that to go with it to, to kind of snack on as we go. Day three, and I know I'm going to get blasted for this, but I am a Cincinnati, Ohio native. I live just outside the city of Cincinnati currently in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. If you want to find that on your map, look where Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana come together. I live right there. Skyline Chili is probably going to be my meal before the third day of the draft starts. And that is Cincinnati-style chili. And yes, it is made with cinnamon and chocolate in it. It doesn't taste like traditional chili. I know. I get it. Most people outside the 275 loop don't like it, even though there are three in South Florida now, which is weird to me. But Skyline will be my day three meal. Now, in terms of adult beverages that I may or may not consume during the draft, if we're going beer, really kind of have three beers of choice. So my normal easy drinking everyday beer is Rogue's Dead Guy Ale. Really like that. I love Carlsberg beer, even though I don't like Liverpool as my European soccer team. And then Indiana, where I live, has a brewery called Three Floyds. I'm not a huge IPA drinker, but every IPA I've had from Three Floyds has been delicious. And they might have my favorite beer of all time, which is their Scottish Ale, which is called Robert the Bruce. But I would also recommend you try Alpha King, Zombie Dust, Space Station. Any of their beers have been fantastic. Really easy drinking as far as IPAs go. Very flavorful. Love anything that I've had from Three Floyds. Now, if we're going liquor, I do drink a bit of bourbon from time to time. Woodford Reserve, Woodford Double Oaked, Blanton's, anything from Buffalo Trace. Those will work for me. I've recently been on a huge scotch kick. I don't know why, but just kind of got into it a little bit. I know everyone knows about Lagavulin 16 from Ron Swanson on Parks and Recreation, and it is phenomenally good. It is my favorite scotch. I do have a bottle of that, and I kind of wrote this out. I have four bottles of scotch right now. My wife and I, a little side note, are in the process of trying to move into a new house It's an older house built in the 1920s that we're going to fix up and renovate. I basically have laid claim to the basement and I'm going to build a really nice bar and get the thing stocked. But right now, just a little small bar in our basement right now. It's only four bottles of scotch on hand. I kind of put them in a power ranking system. If I really like what the Dolphins do on night one of the draft, I'll probably have a glass of Lagavulin 16. It's my favorite I love the briny, meaty, smoky smell, and it's got a little bit of a hint of mint on the finish. It's really smooth, easy drinking. If I like what they do, but I'm not in love with it, we'll probably go with Lafroy 10. You get that 
briny, briskety, smokiness kind of cranked up a notch without that smooth mint finish. If it's something where I've got to give it time to marinate, we'll go with the peatiest of all the peat scotches, all the Isla scotches, Ardbeg 10, which I've actually got a glass of right here. Mm. Delicious stuff there. But it is smoky. It's briny. It's meaty. It's almost like you're drinking a campfire. And when you let that whiskey go down and finish, you're going to get that campfire sensation coming back up. I would recommend, if you want to get into the Isla Scotches, start with Lagavulin and kind of work your way around the island. And then, also been getting into blended scotch lately. This is probably number four out of four. But if it's a draft where, mm, I hope night two goes better, is the Dalmore 12. That's a blended scotch. It's going to have some chocolate notes, some orange notes, crushed almond notes, cinnamon. Kind of reminds you of sitting in front of a, a fire in the middle of winter. Kind of gives you that holiday, Christmassy type feel to it. And it's a good pick-me-up because it doesn't have that little spice burn that catches you at the end with some of the other ones that like Ardbeg or Laphroaig do. But those are my go-to scotch whiskeys. I'm sure I'll have one, maybe two, possibly three during the draft. And I hope you guys enjoy the draft. Enjoy it responsibly. Check us out on the live stream on YouTube. I'm sure we will have a link on that available as we get closer. Check out my latest article reviewing the Dolphins' offensive free agents. It's live right now on DolphinsTalk.com. If you haven't already, give me a follow. Feel free to address any questions, Dolphins-related, draft-related, scotch-related, whatever you want. Follow me on Twitter at KevinMD4. I am not a doctor. M and the D are my middle and last name initials. And number four was my football number in high school. That's why it's Kevin MD4. I am not the fourth. I am not a doctor of any kind. Just Kevin MD4. Thank you guys. That's it for episode 14. Be sure to check me out. I will do a recap of the draft on next week's episode. I will also be on several other shows as well, doing some draft review stuff. Thank you guys. Enjoy the draft. Fins up.